busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Have you ever been at a job or been given a task and when someone tries to give you a task that is not in your job description or is not normally something that you do, are you quick to say, uh, oh, no, that goes to such and such? Oh, no, that's not that's, that's not my job. That's, um, I don't do that. That goes to whomever, right? I have started to learn about myself that I truly enjoy, enjoy anything that allows me to do my particular task independent of anyone else. I do not want my overall result to be dependent on someone else's input, drive, work ethic, like nothing worse. Like that's literally like my worst worst nightmare. Seriously. <laughs> and I know it sounds sorry, you know, just not even sarcastic, but dramatic. But you know, that may or may not be the kind of grandbaby that I am. You have a nice day. But like real talk, it, it doesn't work with me. Uh, I literally, and I'm going to put a little bit of my business out on the streets. And if I see it on the streets and you carrying it to somebody else, I'm not going to tell you nothing else. So just hold tight. Um, I dropped a whole graduate class because it required for me to have a group effort. And what the professor assigned us to do was we all had to pretty much come up with this combined paper. Everyone had a section. He was going to grade the individual sections, but then he was very much so going to grade uh, the entire paper as a whole group effort. So he assigned each person to another person and was like, all right, you know, person A, I need you to go ahead and critique person B and, and their paper and let them make the corrections thereof and what have you. Person B needs you to go ahead and critique person C, you know, onward and so forth so that everyone's paper was being critiqued so that you can give the necessary input for the output that you want to see with this grade, right? I was uh, given a grandbaby that clearly uh, school wasn't her strong point, okay? And I'm not judging her, you know, uh, never met her, shouts out it was virtual. But at uh, ma'am, see, and when I say uh, kryptonite for me, I am not only a rule follower, but I like learning, right? And so imagine... You know, I'm I'm sitting there with my grandbaby thinking cap on, right? And my paper got an A because, you know, prenatal, whatever you want to call it, just, you know, the, the juices and the thinking and the creativity and the thus comma semicolons parentheses, you know, was just doing what it needed to be doing. And this grandbaby, I was like, bruh. She didn't have the word count it was supposed to be. She didn't do it in the format it was supposed to be. And so I'm like, how I was like one sentence short from telling her, clearly you you crammed real quick like it was due at t t midnight. And you was like, ooh, 1157, I got to write a paper today. I forgot. And so that's what happened. So won't you take this time to just take all the critiquing, 
Like, I literally felt like a teacher. I was like, so one, the word count is in here. Two, there was some incomplete thoughts. I, I see where you were going, but you didn't arrive there. It must have been a gas issue. Um, three, br- br- your name is spelled correctly. Good job. Okay. Um, the date. Look at you. Um, but like I didn't. Is English your first language? Like I don't want to. I just I don't want to be that kind of grandbaby. But it, it it was that level of like wow. And so I don't know what she got on her individual paper, but the overall group got a C, as in cat. As in, I can't. As in, Christ. As in, corn on a cob. As in, uh, meow, cat. As in, everything that, like, I'm talking. When I tell you I was looking at C, like, I'm sorry. Are you looking for someone else? Because you can't. No, hi. I'm, I'm sorry. You are? Because I'm, I'm not, I'm not familiar. You understand? Bruh, when I, and I literally ran to the comic session for the, for this professor and I'm like uh como se dice porque like what happened and he was like you did an excellent job but you know I see that in the rough draft uh there really wasn't no changes on the grandbaby that you critiqued so when you gave in the final draft she didn't make any changes and so that unfortunately negatively impacted the group I said bruh send me her address because one thing you're not finna do, okay, uh, is put anybody's uh, uh, colon, okay, girl, none of that around me. Have a nice day. When I, bro, when I say on fire, I'm sending emails and I'm like, ma'am, did you not get the information, the critique that I sent you? She's not answering. So I was like, okay. So w- one time on me, she did it again, bro. I was literally having, it, it just, it did not work well for me. And I was like, you know what? I might go hold you. I'm out. Mm-mm. No, no, no. <laughs> you know what? Uh, it's been cool, but have a nice day. And I immediately realized that about myself. I, I've known that about myself when it comes to, like, group work. Like, the moment that the professor or the teacher is like, all right, so I'm going to break. I'm like, no, please don't say you're going to break me off in groups. I'd rather you break me off a Kit Kat bar because I'm not interested. I can't. Because I literally, I, I just, I need someone who's going, it's weird because when I was younger, I was the person that I was like, what y'all need? I need glue because I'm not showing up. But now that I'm actually paying for classes, no, I need everybody to be in this. I need every, I need all hands on deck. I need feet if it don't stink. Like we need all of this, right? And so I've learned that I am very serious about my work ethic probably more serious about anything that has to do with my name, my reputation, or me getting a positive outcome. Like if it's for a paycheck, okay, if it's for my grade, or if it's for me getting some form of an accolade, I'd rather do the information, the situation by myself. And I take very seriously when I'm assigned to something. So much so that if I'm assigned to it, and I know that I'm assigned to it, you're going to have a hard time moving me. Because let me tell you something right now. Uh, yeah, this is my job, okay? And that's all you pretty much got to tell me. And I will hover over that thing, do it in excellence, no matter what it takes. I'm just that kind of person. And don't let me enjoy what I do. Oh, for goodness sake, it's just a thing. And I started asking myself, I said, for some reason, 
I guess because I'm in the midst of having my resume critiqued and I guess I'm kind of looking at the trajectory in which my career has gone and I asked myself, is there anything that you feel has held you back from where you want to be to where you currently are? Can you do a humble assessment of self and kind of tie in, hmm, these are some key things that may have held me back? I said, well, some of the things are in motion. I'm learning to wear a certain form of repellent when it comes to the workplace because feelings and profession, they just don't go together. They don't. Um, You can wear your heart up to some point, but you can't have it on your sleeve because it seems like there is honey and gnats and, you know, you just setting yourself up for disaster, right? So that's one of the things I was like, "Mm, I wear the wrong outfits when I come to corporate. Got you. I feel like I'm wearing a wedding dress to a back your barbecue and then I'm wondering why I'm coming out the way that I didn't go in and it has dawned on me through the Holy Spirit because you are not dressing for the occasion you are dressing for how you want to feel I want to go into a profession knock it out we all get along there's no emotional abuse there's no toxicity there's no hostile work environment we get it done we all feel good about where we're at we all are placed according to our wiring and what we're strong at and we don't have an environment where it's the right people but in the wrong places and the wrong people in the high places and all those particular things I want that that is for me wedding dress But God is like, but sometimes I'm sending you places where it's backyard barbecue. And I'm not going to change the situation because you didn't know how to dress for it. I'm going to train you through your discomfort to start dressing for the occasion. I said, "Mm, I got it, Lord. He was like, you do? I promise you because I don't like being uncomfortable. But then the other thing was that I had to admit it's not easy to get me off of a task. If I'm assigned to something, if I want to do something, if I know that this is what I'm good at and I look at it like it's a hard, high regard, then you're probably going to have a hard time getting me to do, you know, like let's just say a supervisor or a managerial whomever came up to me and was like, real quick, the janitor's out. Can you go clean up the bathrooms? <laughs> uh, y'all don't have no backup custodians? Um, you don't have any temp agencies? Yeah, I'm all about the team player, but I'm not about the team booty, okay? And I'm not going to clean up the areas where I know everybody's booty has been. You got to have, to me, some kind of uh, grace for that, okay? And I have a very strong nasal capacity. Like, the way that God wired my nasal, I am that of bloodhound descent. So I can smell before I even approach and know that this is not going to probably be the best setup for me. So um, that's a strong no. <laughs> and have a nice day. I give you a perfect example. When I started one of my jobs, within like the first week, uh, for something that was front desk situation, I had an executive assistant come up to me and tell me that she wanted me to help her clean out the refrigerator. Who? Uh, let me let me tell you something. I went so owl on her. <laughs> Who? 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 Because I was, I was very unclear. Like the clarity was not that of, uh, it was as clear as mud. So I went to my supervisor. I was like, quick question. Y'all don't have any maintenance, custodians, any 
person that comes up and cleans up at night. Somebody that does the refrigerator, she was like, no. I said, so y'all have, like, would it, like, bring me into this thought. Is this like a rotating thing where, you know, one person, oh, it's your time to clean the refrigerator? Because I looked in the refrigerator and definitely looked like the couple of days after Thanksgiving. When the last time y'all cleaned this up? Is that hot chocolate at the bottom? What's that that's sticking? Mm, okay, great. And so I'm letting giving you the backdrop on the caliber, right? So I was like, uh, so do I have to clean the refrigerator? Like, is that a part? Because I would have never took a shot. Uh, is that? And she was like, you don't have to clean the refrigerator. I said, so why was I asked to do that? And she was like, she, you know how someone is trying to tell you but not trying to tell you because you're the new person. Stay away from such and such because she's a um, <laughs> a bag of uh, burnt sunflower seeds that you just don't want to taste and eat. Yeah, it's going to ruin your experience here. But I don't want to tell you that. I want you to formulate your own opinion about her. And you like, no, I need you to tell me what's in this bag <laughs> so that I don't waste my time. And so I realized very quickly... Um, probably not going to get me to divert off of my task if I don't view it as something of a higher caliber. And very quickly I learned that that's probably something that's holding me back from the greatness that I want. And when I give you the revelation that was given to me, I promise you that we both will never be the same. Something about feeling something kind of muddling around in the right vicinity and then God confirming it in a whole new spiritual way that you're like, I know that you are bringing me on a path that only you could have customized because I have been in this area for I don't know how long or I have read this particular Bible scripture, I don't know how many times, and the revelation that I'm getting now is clear it is clear that it is you because it is perfectly aligned to where you currently have me. That's the thing about revelation. Praise God for revelation. Can we just do that real quick? Like seriously, if we can just like a real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. Because revelation, which you don't realize is that he's only revealing according to your current level of growth. And so if you come across something or you like, I never read it that way, I never heard it that way, I've never, then congratulations to you. You have now come up a level, so now he can show you a different level. Do you understand that? It's like God is trusting you with a little bit more information and trusting that you'll do something with it. So when I read this, I said, I wonder if I'm not the only person that this has impacted or if anyone else has ever really seen it this way. So real quick, 1 Samuel 17. You know, I read in the NLT version, right? I want to talk about my boy David and the whole Goliath thereof. But there was something so monumental that occurred before the actual fight. And to be honest with you, most of the nuggets that I have received was before the fight. But check this, 1 Samuel 17, I want to start at verse 12. Now, David was the son of a man named Jesse. Let's read it again, just in case you got lost that fast. Now, David was the son of a man named Jesse. A rift, right? I have no idea, but we're going to just make that up. From Bethlehem in the name of Judah. 
Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons, 13. Jesse's three oldest sons, we're going to try, Elab, Adinadab, and Shemiah had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. 14. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. 15. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. 16. For 40 days, evening, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. 18. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. 19. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. 20. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts of battle cries. 21. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. 22. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine, champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. <laughs> 25, have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. 26, David asked a soldier standing nearby, uh, what will a man give? for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? 27. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. <laughs> I'm going to just go one more. 28. But when David's older brother, Elip, heard David talking to the man, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. 29, what have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. 30, he walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. 31, then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Pause, so much fruit right here. So much fruit. I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. Uh, at this point in, in, in Juncture in David's life, 
He was anointed, but he wasn't yet called, right? But what got my attention that I've never seen before is that David was literally temp service. I have never heard anyone say it in this way, but it was like, wait a minute. Uh, that gives me a, a different kind of, hmm, okay, this gives me a different kind of perspective. So Jesse is his father, right? His father asked him to go out and go ahead and give out that particular David DoorDash situation, right? But what I have never seen is that when David described the sheep, he described it as my father's sheep. Hmm. Verse 15 says, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. His father's sheep. It was amazing to me that even when he was letting Saul know, like, listen, (laughs) I can do this. He had to remind him by what he actually was put in charge of. Because in verse 34, a little further down, it says, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Hold on. You doing a lot, sir, for something that is not yours. For David to take the role of just being a temporary fix so seriously, it's actually rewarding to read. Because let me explain something to you. If something was my father's, if something was, you know, just put myself in David's shoes, if something was my father's, I'm not going ham like that. No, I'm not chasing no lions and no tigers and no bears and no oh my's. I'm not clubbing anything, nothing. I'm going to call one time, um, bad me, bad me, because I'm going to name them something close to the sheep. Bad. And I'm going to call, and if you don't come, then you know what? Another one bites the dust. Like, that's just it. But for him to be so tuned in, so t- t- tenacious, so just, listen, I will go the extra mile. I will do what needs to be done. And not only that, I will put whatever I need to put on the line to cover what I have been assigned to. Not only did he care for it like that, he cared for it like that, knowing that these are my father's sheep. It's not like your father cared enough about you to give you your own separate sheep. Listen, I'll let somebody take care of mine. Let me give you your own business. Let me give you your own branch. Let me give you your own room. Let me. That is the equivalent in modern day times. Um, your father, you taking care of your father's car. You taking care of your father's uh, apartment. You taking care of and put any name that you have. Somebody else's something. But to care for it like it's yours. To put your life on the line like it's yours. Imagine babysitting something. And putting yourself in harm's way if something even dared to try to go ahead and put it in harm's way. Is a trait that is almost obsolete in our generation. And the beauty of it is, to me, that was a downgrade. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he didn't even trust you. In a, like, everybody else's was Saul doing what they need to do. You got all the, out of all the brothers, why he just was like, eh, for the last one, I don't really know what you're going to be good at. Let me just go ahead and give you these uh, sheep real quick and go ahead and, you know, do something with. And how I know that he was looked upon that way is because when his brother got angry, what did he say? Where's those few sheep? 
<laughs> my literally verse 28 says, but when David's oldest, oldest brother, Elib heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taken care of? What do humans do when they're usually angry? Tell the truth. Because you ain't nothing but, because at this point, anger, um, it prevents the screen door from being there. It busts the storm door wide open and it's going to let everything in that um, people try to filter because they don't want to hurt your feelings. I think that's why the Bible was strategic enough to say that um, when he heard David talking to the men, he was angry. Because I think that at any given time, he probably wouldn't have said this, but the fact that he got angry, it's like, bro, I'm going to tell the truth. We're those few sheep. So it is clear that amongst all the brothers, that even probably amongst Jesse, the father, that they knew that putting David in there to take care of the few sheep, the sheep that's not even his, the sheep that the father's like, listen, I'm too old now because the Bible does highlight that for a reason. He's too old now to go ahead and be back and forth and prying open lion's mouths and doing all that he ain't got the time for it so David go ahead outside real quick and take care of my sheep how low is that but not only did you look at him in that way you also decided you know what I'm gonna have him go ahead and um deliver some food to the sons that are doing something that's of a higher quality so uh, not only, you didn't just say, hey, take this basket real quick and send it to your brothers. You let it be known, like, you're carrying something that I value, and you're going to bring it to people that I value more than you. One day, verse 17 says, one day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers, 18, and give them these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. And with no lip, no nothing, no talk back, no nothing. Verse 20 says, so David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with these gifts as Jesse had directed him. See, I wouldn't have in modern day time all that 10 cuts of Cracker Barrel. That's not a, that. That's not like, oh, this is amazing. But it had to have been if it was clearly documented as gifts. So it probably looked a lot like, hey, um, something tangible, something gifty that we would imagine somebody packing something for someone that you have to bring to. And they never, they never even offered you that. It wasn't like here because you're taking them. Thank you. And because you take care of my sheep. Thank you. I want to go ahead and put that right. There is something in the fact that you could be doing something in your mind that looks or that in someone else's mind that looks a little lower than what it is. But what they don't understand is that they're setting you up for greatness. Because in the human lens, I seen this as, David, they disrespecting you. Like, every every last one of them saw what Samuel did, that he anointed your head. Literally, Samuel had to ask, bruh, it's none of these sons. Do you have any more sons? They was like, oh, yeah, we got one, but he in the back playing with the sheep or whatever. He probably thinks I ain't going to hold you. Like, y'all didn't even think enough of him to be like, hmm, Samuel, I got one more. Like, Samuel had to ask you because God was saying none of these sons are going to be it. And through the human lens, I can see how frustrating that could be. Through the human lens, I see the disrespect. I see the neglect. I see the low-key abuse. I see the, you know, just kind of not seeing someone's value. I see all of it. But real quick, what happened to me is that it got flipped. I saw it through a spiritual lens. Are you willing 
to go wherever your father, Father God, sends you? Are you willing to view it through a spiritual lens that I will go ahead and carry out whatever God puts me to. I'm going to do it with excellence. I'm going to do it in such a way that I know that God gave this to me. God trusted this with me. And so if it's in my hand, I'm going to make sure that it is done correctly. I don't care if it's the highest thing on the list or if it's the lowest thing that I, I would have at one point thought was beneath me. But whatever my father sends me, I'm going to do it with greatness. I'm going to do it with excellence because I understand that he's setting me up for greatness. Why would I say that check this when David was going to fight Goliath how did he even get to that proximity because his father sent him on an Uber Eats David DoorDash situation and he didn't do it in a halfway he could have went ahead and gave it out and was like here I go here I go here I go and left and felt like came all this way to go ahead and just but he did exactly what his father said his father didn't just say hey drop this off his father said go get a report from your brothers and see how they're doing and in the midst of going ahead and having a conversation it was like time out who is buddy talking to (laughs) like I'm sorry literally it says that when he put put down the food and gave it to the other people that he went ahead and asked, uh, yeah, who, who is, who's the Philistine talking to? He was only that close in proximity because he carried out exactly what his father said to do with excellence. He was only able to look at Goliath, see all that everybody else was afraid of, but see it in a different stance because of what he had been practicing doing with the sheep that his father assigned him to. Are you missing out on greatness because you don't realize that even the smallest stone is setting you up for a bigger stage? Are you missing up on the opportunity to be bigger and better than you ever have been because you don't like where God currently has you and so you're flimsily getting through that and you're complaining through that and then you're like oh and then now he wants me to stop this and go over here oh and now he has to and so you're seeing each move as a disservice as a um like like it's just something that's just beneath you as like you know what I could be doing something better as if God doesn't understand how to orchestrate greatness he's been doing it for a real long time I don't know if you've noticed but let's start at Genesis and kind of see that when he over something he pulls back in his earth now do you understand that have you been carrying on in a way that you're looking at your job like listen this job don't pay enough it don't give me enough responsibility it don't what whatever it is have you looked at that job like it's not enough not knowing that if you do it in excellence exactly what you do here ma'am let me explain something to you sir let me go ahead and just wake you up real quick when you go to your next position you're going to be so thankful that you handled it the way that you did because you'll have a confidence nobody else will have you'll have a heads up in education or experience I don't care if where you're at currently, you like, they don't do anything right. Praise God for seeing something not done right so that if it ever falls where you go next, you'll know how to put that thing back together in excellence. How is it that Saul's, that that David's brothers were with Saul this whole entire time and they didn't have the confidence to go ahead and fight Goliath because they saw him as a giant? Meanwhile, back at the lab, David's like, yo, Goliath is nothing because of what I did with lions and what I did with bears. And if they turned on me, then I clubbed it. Like, yo, he got a set of skills in the the field with the sheep that the brothers didn't have in the army with Saul. 
I need you to start looking at where you're at and don't look at it small. Don't look at it through an Elab mindset. Where it's few sheep. No, you don't understand. I get my hands dirty in the field. I get a, a, a set of set of armor that you would never wear. That's why when Saul put his armor on David, he walked around and he said, I'm not used to this. Because he knew how to stay true to himself. He knew I can only fight this when I feel comfortable, when I feel confident. And when I put on the thing that currently has you scared, I can't defeat my giant the way that you would have. Because you can't even approach it the way that I am. There is something about looking at a small beginning and knowing this is just temporary. <laughs> I know what I'm anointed to do. <laughs> I didn't forget what God told me in the dark. I don't care what God, I don't care what's happening in public. I know what God told me in private. I don't care what it looks like. Everybody else is booed up. Everybody else is having babies. Everybody else is. I don't care. Listen. I don't care about none of that because I know that this is temporary. I know that I'm babysitting right now, but one day I'm going to birth. I know right now I'm counting other people's money in, in this particular position, but guess what? Next time I'm going to be budgeting my money. Like, it's okay. I remember personally being at a job and I deposit six figures north of a million dollars in the company account. And I held that receipt and I took a picture of it and I said, one day that I'm going to be depositing that in mine. Like, you got to start looking at some of the things in your life and going, no, this is, listen, take care of that apartment. I'm talking about Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Like, I need people to be like, you know what, we can do a commercial in here. No, take care of that hoopty. No, ma'am, no, sir. Take care of that. Because let me explain something to you. Yeah, every time you look around, it's a money pit. You got to go ahead and get it fixed. And you got to go ahead and take it to a mechanic. Let me explain something. You're going to be so good with listening to your new car that you're going to be like, uh-uh, and it made that sound before. What's that? <laughs> Let me go ahead and put, oh, I know what to do with this. And it's going to be things that you learn in the apartment, things that you learn in the hoopty, things that you learned in your prior relationships, things that you learned in dysfunctional families that's going to put you ahead of the game. Stop looking at it like it's a holdup. Stop looking at it like it's setting you back. What you don't understand is God is going to propel you forward and it's all about the experience that you had that you once looked at like it defied you but you don't realize that it's defining greatness you being set up baby come on you hear me you being set up and I hate to scream in your ear like this but you should know by now you being set up spoiler alert it's a setup. it's a set up don't let nobody else make you look at yourself small. That's the one thing that I got from David. He ain't let nobody talk about his stuff in a way that looked crazy. Why you? What happened to your little sheep? Why are you so mad at me? He ain't even addressed that. I'm not explaining nothing to you, sir. Because I'm getting ready to approach something that you run from. You think I'm going to explain to you my mindset, what I do, how I... Mm-mm. And thank God for Saul... Because, I mean, I think David only explained it to him because of hierarchy and respect. But, buddy, I can't do it with your armor. Have a nice day. But David knew what he was doing. He counted the cost. He asked several times, what does somebody get? <laughs> I want to see if it's worth my time. We had that conversation, too, remember? To be able to look at something, define something, and be true enough to yourself to say, is this something that, it's worth my time because I believe if they would have just been, if he would have asked, so what happens if we kill the giant? If he, they would have been like, oh, you just get 
uh, five cuts of cheese, he would have been like, oh, so y'all boys be good. <laughs> but when you start saying, yo, you about to take care of my family behind this, my whole family's not going to have to pay taxes? I'm going to go from being a shepherd to having a wife? Oh, you going to give me one of them bad ones? Oh, the one right there, shorty right there? Woo! Yo, uh, I'm about to get some marital pumps. Like, I ain't going to hold you. Uh, listen, hold hold my, um, hold, hold this little shepherd stick I was walking with. Uh, it, it's, it's time to go ahead and get it popping. Because there's nothing to talk about. The beauty of it is that he saw the gain in taking the risk. Mm, come on, Holy Spirit. He saw the gain in taking the risk. If God puts you in coordinates that set you up for next level, I need you to be honest with yourself to say, is that really a game? We all use this this particular statement, you know, um, what do I have to lose? No, we need to start asking, so is this a true win? Like, okay, so right now my current situation is I'm a shepherd. I take care, you know, a nice little amount of sheep. Um, I like doing it. It's cool. It's my father's sheep. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, if I leave here today and I don't do anything, I'll still be helping my father out until, you know, he gets old or whatever happens. But um, at this point, you know, I got a pretty good setup. But the coordinates of the setup for greatness looks like, oh, so I get to my whole family's going to be taken care of. I'm, we never going to have to pay taxes. I'm about to get a shorty, <laughs> New York, yeah. Uh, and then what? What happened? And I'm gonna get some clout. Yeah. Once you are exposed to what you can possibly gain, that is the time that you need to freeze in time and really talk to yourself. Because let me explain something to you. It feels some kind of way to go back to the field knowing that you could have been a husband or a wife. It feels funny when you when you navigate back to the field alone and you still got to pay taxes. When the opportunity presents itself and the only thing that could have possibly stopped you was an emotion, it feels funny to, um, or it, it, it probably is going to be a little difficult not to um, welcome regret to the chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit difficult because you're going to have to explain to yourself in the dark why your situation looks the same and it didn't have to be. You're going to have to explain to yourself why you still got to smell like that, why you still got to hear those noises, <laughs> why you still got to fight the lions and the tiger. Like, how much longer are you going to do this? You're going to be, what, the 50-year-old shepherd? Like, at some point, this stops. Like, you don't see your father stop. Like, what you getting ready? And so at some point, you have to make a move. But that would have been the perfect setup, but you chose not to because of either your logic, either your emotion, or either what somebody else said. Like, Elip was probably, that probably could have, on any other playing field, crippled somebody. Your older brother looking at you, like, and embarrass you in front of everybody. Where's your little sheep? So now everybody knows that you're a shepherd and you're not a soldier. Now everybody knows that you're delivering food for somebody else and like none of this goes to you. So literally the caliber set of respecting you went so low that people probably felt some kind of way like, okay, excited that you may do something. But the fact that your brother exposed like, yo, he peeing the bed at night. <laughs> he got a few sheep. <laughs> he ain't really, bro, he ain't never seen a sword in his life. It's like, oh, so now the, the confidence that people may have had 
Because they describing to you what happened. Like, oh, you know, he'll get taxes and he'll get this. So they thinking, like, you you could be the next. But your brother came along and was like, negative, younger brother, small sheep, few sheep, and ain't my father's. It's like, you know how many people would have crippled that, how other people would have viewed them because of what somebody else said and reminded them of something that they feared being exposed in that particular way and the volume of people? Yeah, it, it, a large percent of people would have walked away from that. What I want to drive home is that greatness is very, very, very strategic. It never really arrives at a perfected time. It never really shows up when you're like, ah, yes, I was waiting. No, because God told me on Tuesday you was going to be here. But what I notice is that it's very strategic. It builds upon your prior experiences, if you took full advantage of those experiences. Because if you just stayed at that job to complain, if you just stayed in that relationship to be abused, if you just went ahead and stayed in that financial rut because, you know what, (laughs) nobody else around you is making, then you wasted your experience and the setup for greatness, you're never even going to be able to identify it. Because without being a shepherd first, and building the confidence to go ahead and be a shepherd that protects from lions and tigers and bears. That is a very confidence that he was able to go ahead and cut and paste and apply to the Goliath situation. When you look at how you how your family used to deal with money and how you felt as a kid with no money and whatever your f- money and financial story is for your childhood and your life, it doesn't have to be that way in adulthood. So what would you learn? You will learn, I'm not going to splurge. I'm, I, my family didn't know anything about um, financial wisdom so I'm going to go ahead and do that so I can build financial wealth it's not it's not just enough to say I'm gonna build financial wealth what information and education do you have to be able to do that you've seen how your, your, your grandmother cursed out when she was upset and then your mother cursed you out when she was upset so how are you going to deal with your kids when it's time for you to go ahead and communicate with them is it just going to be because I said so oh how did you view couples talking to each other do you have the vocabulary the emotional intelligence quotient like whatever it is for you to be able to speak to somebody else when you're angry yeah you're cool when you're happy but do you know how to speak do you know how to articulate with very minimum words that don't have to be a whole speech what exactly is bothering you because it should be cut down into three things what happened how you perceived it and what the solution is. And so if you can communicate those things without belittling, degrading, or doing anything that will make someone else feel small, then congratulations. In that particular setup, you have now entered the chat for being set up for greatness. You have to, and this is your challenge, start looking at where you're currently at and saying, I know for a fact that this is not my end goal. So clearly God has me positioned here because there are some things here that I absolutely need for my next step, for my next step, for my next step until I get to my final stage. And what I don't want to happen is that I get to my stage and I realize that I skipped a step and so my foundation is shaky. Because when God builds greatness, it builds upon each other. That's why when he said, let there be light, he didn't do that on day five. Light was day one. Then everything after that built on top of that. 
build on top of that. So if that's how God created the world, then that's how he's creating your greatness. Everything is building and building on top of one another. You want for things to be so foundational, so secure, so supportive that when he starts adding other things building other things on your foundation everything is secure because you didn't cut corners you didn't complain in that relationship that whole time only you took notes and you were like you know what my next relationship um yeah we're not going to play this game I'm not if I already see I'm going to recognize the red flags early and I'm not going to make it uh, six flags. <laughs> I'm not going to make it fun. It's not going to be attractive. It's just something about no, I'm going to identify them and I'm going to bring it to the table and ask clear and concisely. I recognize this about you and I know myself well enough to know that I don't pair well with that. Is that something that you think that you can search within yourself and start putting some things in practice and changing? Unless someone be candid enough with you to be like, uh, you too sensitive. That bothers you. That can't. Yeah, take that. You too sensitive and raise him a yes, sir, and leave. When you have a female that you're like, listen, I feel like the way that you dress is not a presentation of like the person that I want to be with. It's not a jealousy thing. It's not a controlling thing. It's just that I love you. And I don't want you portraying yourself like that. So is that something, do you feel like I'm asking too much? Uh-uh, because one thing for certain, two things for sure. What a man's not going to do is tell me how to dress. Absolutely. Listen, um, you can club every night. You just can't club every night and be with me. I mean, it's not an ultimatum because there's a zillion people on this earth. It's just a requirement in order for me to feel safe, secured, heard in my relationship. And one of the things that I'm asking is that it's not an every night thing. But but what I don't want to do is feel like I'm trying to change somebody on the way of perfecting and walk, myself and walking into my calling. I'm not dragged. Mm-mm, there will be no wagons being dragged of anybody uh, that don't want to walk side by side with me. Like it feels different when you start recognizing mm, yeah, this may not be the career for me. So let me go ahead and do a strategic plan on how I'm getting ready to divert. And let me take a test. Let me see what works best for my personality type. Let me see. But like, really, like, get to the root of it. And I know through us speaking, the Holy Spirit has gone ahead and showed you some stuff. But I need you to get to the root of whatever the issue is and promise me, promise yourself that you're just not experiencing this just to experience it. This is what you need because I promise this is one of the building blocks for, for greatness. I promise you're going to look back on this and be like, uh, who knew that being with Buddy was going to make me so appreciate my husband? Who knew that truly everybody's not a fibber? And so I can trust that when old girl says she's not hanging with her girls, that I don't got to check all her social media platforms. Who knew that I can actually do great work and be recognized for it and get paid for it? This is amazing. What is this thing called? Growth. Greatness. God-led. Do you understand that? Did you get the challenge? Seriously. Write down what it is that is currently uncomfortable. And I need you to be a student of it and document everything that you possibly can learn from this situation. And I promise you, once you learned everything that you need from this particular class, God will, God will promote you. But just know that there's other classes ahead of you before you get to graduation. Do you understand that?
But all right, listen, um, I feel like you got what you needed, okay? You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl, Kay. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go because uh, I got to go finish watching the rest of these uh, clothes. And so you be good. Keep your phone nearby because I do have something I want to say to you, okay? Talk to you later. All right. Later.